Friday. So here's your Northwest Montana Agriculture Report. The Valley's only local ag report. A service of Equus and Payback Feed, CHS, and North Valley Ag. And today we're going to get into a great discussion. I just know we are. I have no <laughs> idea what we're going to talk about, but Mark me neither. knows. <laughs> me neither, John. They always take me down some road. <laughs> well... Uh, I guess the first road we need to go down is uh, how's the weather affecting our crops? You know, we've got a good ground cover on things. I mean, I'm not too worried about that. Um, you know, the big thing now we to watch for is these type of thaws where we're going to get standing water in the draw, the gra- the draws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep in mind, plants can drown. And yeah. so just like you and I can drown, takes yeah. them a little bit longer, but they can actually drown out. You know, it is, and I'm probably not anything that's concerning. I was just over into eastern Montana, came back late last night. Boy, up over the pass, there's not a lot of snow up there. Hmm. And I even in eastern Montana, I was over into the Fort Benton, up to Chester area and that. Yeah, yeah, a little worry on the dry, and so are the farmers, a little worried over there of the moisture. Well, I understand they're shutting down ski areas and curtailing operations. Would not surprise me at all uh, with uh, what I saw. Normally, when you go up over Marias, by now we've got three, four feet snow banks. Oh, sure. Yeah, this one, six inches, would be lucky. Well, they're you know, saying we're at 70% of snowpack. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Now, I just talked to a friend of mine. He was up snowcatting up into the Spotted Bear Hungry Horse. He said it was great up in there, and maybe that's mm-hmm. where it is. But it sure didn't seem like, I mean, when I drive up over Marias and there's kind of bare ground on top, that that's yeah. not good. No. Well, we were up in the park, and uh, uh, Abgar is practically no snow. Yeah. And now when you get to Lake McDonald Lodge, it starts to pile up. And then I see where the roads close there. It looks like uh, there's more snow building. The peaks look like they got a good amount of snow. Of course, you, you can't tell. You, you know, can't tell from the ground. You just don't know yeah. how it is. I mean, we still got, we're not in spring. So, hey, we've yeah. had these late winter storms. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But, hey, we, anytime we can get some moisture, we'll take it. I, you know, one of the things I think we forget, maybe we should spend a little time about this, is even a, a, a strand of wheat, it's a plant. It's a living plant. You know, it is, John, and sometimes we think about it, and that's why when I say, well, yeah, plants can drown, absolutely. Uh, I mean, because they're breathing. We got to realize they're breathing, but their breathing is different than you and I. Mm-hmm. Is our breathing as we take in oxygen, give out carbon dioxide, well, they take in carbon dioxide and give out oxygen. There's just the reverse, reverse of us. Their photosynthesis yeah. is, is totally opposite, which is really for a synergy society and all that, it's great. We have two entities. I mean, all the plants are given off oxygen mm-hmm. as their byproduct. So. Yeah. But you look at, the, you know, they say amber waves of grain. You think it's just one big thing but they're individual yeah they're all individual each one of the plants and and you're right that's what makes it absolutely at least in mine just a beautiful view when you see that those waving grains and you know you go back in the early history and and when the people came across into the great plains you know how they dubbed it it was they called it the great american sea 
because they thought they were standing at a, an ocean yeah. with the plants waving in the wind that actually looked like water to mm. them. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful view when you see it. And, you, yeah, that's right. we got to remember they're each individual plant. So they've got their own root. They've yeah. got their own system yep. and everything. Just all like you and I standing shoulder to mm -hmm. shoulder. Yeah. That's really what it is. I'll be darned. So that, that helps you understand why they got to breathe. Yeah, they, they have to breathe. They, they have a breathing mechanism. Of course, they're self-generating. They take in carbon dioxide, water, and those nutrients and make carbohydrates through the process of photosynthesis. The, the reverse process is called respiration where they give it back out. But, yeah, they, they are able to take the nutrients from the ground and create a sugar product in the, yeah. the plant form. So we got the uh, winter wheat in the ground. We do. And uh, you feel like it's doing good? Yeah, I think it's doing all right so far. I mean, there, there's no big red flags out there uh, at all uh, with the snowpack we have. Um, I don't see, I don't think at this point we've got a lot of draws with standing water. So I think the feeling and talking with Andy and that, he feels pretty comfortable. The winter wheat crop is, is coming good. I mean, you never know until yeah. it turns well, truly sure. green and grows again. Yeah. You, you have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> There's a lot can happen between now and, now and spring. Oh, boy. Well, let's see if we can put a dollar sign in front of some of this right after this. Beef, dairy, swine, poultry, equine, sheep, goat, all the way to show feed, organic feeds, and specialty feeds. Whatever makes your farm go round, Payback's got your back. With a full line of products to meet the needs of operations of all sizes, from the fully integrated rancher to the dedicated feedlot managers to country lifestylers. Every product in the Payback family is precision formulated to deliver proven consistent results that give you an edge. You'll find Payback's Made in Montana Premier Feed at CHS Mountain West Co-op Feed Store in their new location at the Glacier Rail Park. Just turn west off Highway 2 at Pacific Steel. Payback's Made in Montana Premier Feed. Available only at CHS in the Glacier Rail Park. This is your Northwest Montana Agriculture Report. CHS Mountain West Co-op Manager Mark Lollum is with us. So how are we doing? <laughs> I wish I had good news. I wish and, you did too. You know, two weeks ago it was what I call bad news, and today it's going to be even worse. Oh, no. Yeah, we're, we've just been in a real down market. And, and let me give you just everybody just some higher-level pictures, which we see. You know, I think in the export market, and it's all stemmed around exports, and there's a lot of dynamics. We actually, last week at our annual meeting, we had a, one of the export traders came in and talked to everybody about what's going on. And I'll just relay some of the, th the thoughts and that because we rely so much on exports. You know, our spring wheat exports are doing okay. They're probably in the middle of the five-year average um, because it's just by commodity and, and we really spring wheat is a higher protein wheat. And really what's happening is the countries are buying poor, poor quality, cheaper wheat. And it has a lot to do with the world economy and inflation that, you know, the, the countries have to provide food. So yeah. they'll buy the cheaper wheat and then they're buying the spring wheat to blend with the cheaper wheat to find that middle wheat that they can make bread and that out of. So the loser of it is the middle wheat, which we traditionally have, and that's winter wheat. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So our winter wheat exports are are just really poor, well below the five-year average. And, and we're just really struggling to get the sale on the winter wheat because they're buying the higher price spring wheat and then buying the cheap other world wheat and they're making kind of their own little winter wheat mm-hmm. blend. So our uh, wheat's a little too good for them. Yeah, we have, the United States has by no doubt the highest quality wheat in the world. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, this year, and we've been told by experts, the the highest quality wheat in the world sits in the Haver area, Montana, right now. Really? Yeah, it, it, it commands a premium. We've got winter wheat that is pushing 13 plus protein, almost at that level of the, the spring wheat and still in that 60 plus pounds, just oh. an incredibly high quality wheat. Um, the other wheats, uh, white wheats exports are okay. The weird one we had is the soft reds. And the soft reds is when you hear wheat in Kansas, they talk and that's really where most of the wheat is raised. That's what they call the soft reds. Um, in China, about two weeks ago, came in and bought 10 ships of wheat. Now that equates out to about 30 million bushels in one buy which is wow. a huge amount of wheat. Yeah. And in soft red, because of the Mississippi River system, they were the only ones that could deliver 10 ships and they wanted it shipped like immediately. Mm-hmm. And so, um, or they probably would have bought winter wheat or, or spring wheat off of the P&W, but it's coming off the Gulf, which really skewed it because... Yeah, that and basically what China was doing is refurbishing their stocks. Their 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 stocks seemed to get low, mm-hmm. so they bought thirty million bushels approximately to rebuild their stocks. And everybody needs to realize China is the largest wheat producer in the world. They're number one. Mm-hmm. So let's look at where we're at on price. Um, okay. We're down thirty seven cents on spring wheat, so we're mm-hmm. trading at six twenty two. Um, our winter wheat, we're down 27 cents. Uh, we're at 524 and our canola is kind of holding in there. It's actually up seven at 916. So canola is kind of showing us maybe a little bottoming mm-hmm. action. You know, it's been brutal for our producers. I mean, every day they get up, what's the wheat doing? It's down another eight, 10, down 20, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and we just don't have the funds trading in in the commodity markets right now and and the, when the funds and speculators get into it they add the volatility that our hedgers don't necessarily handle so yeah mm. it's just right now been a brutal down market it's our it's the strength of our dollar you know it is and I had an interesting perception from Brian Brock our exporter came and talked about that and it and I've keep talking about it the strength of our dollar but you know, one of the things he talked about is, is you know, as much as we get frustrated with our inflation, we're nothing compared to the rest of the world. Really? Yeah, that that is where we're competitive in trouble. And there are countries he talked about to the producers that have stopped. Can you imagine where if you wanted to trade your dollar for a pace, whatever, Canadian dollar, there are countries that are restricting you even doing that. Really? 
that the inflation is so high and he made he used the term black money or he, he, you know he, and I we were all like what, what are you talking about he says there's two inflations because they restrict the dollar of, of whatever the peso yen yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. of what they could trade there's a posted inflation and what people are doing trying to take their their currency put it in the US dollar because their inflation is so high that that dollar goes to zero. So you have this black market of this currency being traded that may be at a 20% inflation when the country's only showing a five, but you can't trade the dollars to do it. And he said, it's really caused our dollar to be even worse than we think. Number one, they can't traded into our dollars and the actual inflation is significantly more. But he says, uh, you know, everybody's looking to the U.S. dollar as bad as we think it is for a lot of the country. It's just nothing compared to what they're dealing with. I remember uh, years ago I went to Argentina and it was, uh, I mean, the peso in Argentina was just, I mean, it was nothing. It was. Nothing. Yeah, and he was talking and he jumped what the number was and I, if I remember right, 70 to 80 to yeah. 90, mm-hmm. their dollars to our dollar. And yeah. I, I just can't envision that. So you try to buy a, a bushel of wheat for eight bucks and it costs $56. Yeah, and, and the dollars money. are bouncing so fast and that becomes the ultimate problem of why our mm-hmm. dollar is the most stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's taken so many dollars of theirs to buy one of ours, they just go to another country and buy so it there. The only thing we can do is lower the price. Yeah, and I go back, Yeah, and that's exactly right. I was looking at our numbers, and before I came in, I was like, okay, so our exports are low. What does that mean for carryover? Which means the carryover of the wheat for the world is probably going to sit in the United States. And think about this. I mean, we got China over there that has four or five days of food over there. In the United States, they figure our projection, there's going to be about, what did they put, 769 million bushels carried over of wheat. So we probably have at least a half a year to three quarters of a year of wheat mm-hmm. for domestic needs that we're going to carry over. So we we should take a year off? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what's happening within our agricultural world mm-hmm. is we're seeing a lot of the producers in that looking of, okay, what can I raise besides wheat? You know, we're we are going to see not only some peas this summer. I know some of them are actually lentils is an area that looks to be a good commodity crop, um, better than normal. So you're going to see a lot of what I would call diversification mm-hmm. in the crop because uh, we've become so efficient. That's kind of our problem. Yeah, We're really good at what we do in agriculture. So... We've been sent, been so good at it, we just keep raising more and more and more. So our strength is our weakness. Yeah, it is. It wow. is. And that's why I always tell the farmers, I say, well, be careful what you wish for, because for the price to be competitive, that means the dollar has to devalue. Mm-hmm. And, and that means you're, okay, you're going to get up, but now on your input side, you know, it, it's kind of a two-edged sword to them. They devalue the dollar, then it takes us more dollars to buy our stuff. Yeah, buys more their equipment, their fertilizer, the whole mm-hmm. bit. So yeah. it, it's kind of a 
Boy. vicious circle. Yep. Well, it's that time of our show for Mark Lalland to have a free form of consciousness, and that's next. You and your horses live in Montana, right? Or at least close. So it's only right that they get a made-in-Montana feed, and that's Equus. Equus Horse Feeds are specifically formulated to meet your horse's nutritional needs. A great value at an affordable price with quality ingredients. Equus Feed offers a complete lifestyle product line for horses of all ages. Just visit one of CHS's feed consultants and learn what's right for your horse. Give your horses genuine made-in-Montana nutrition. Equus Horse Feed, available at CHS Mountain West Co-op Feed Store in their new location at the Glacier Rail Park. Just turn west off Highway 2 at Pacific Steel. Equus Horse Feed, available at CHS in the Glacier Rail Park. Everybody tells me this is their favorite part of our show. <laughs> That's scary, John. That's scary. <laughs> What's on your mind today? Well, I got two things that I want to talk about. One is, is I each year now for 20-some years, done the St. Patrick's Day Parade, so I want oh, to yeah. put a plug in for it. Mm-hmm. We got uh, the uh, 17th of March. It's a Sunday. We're going to have it on at 4 o'clock. It's, unfortunately, I think it's only one of the two or three parades left in the valley. So yeah. it's the day everybody's Irish that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. a fun day, and hopefully you'll have a good weather. So I'll be reminding it. Put it on your calendars. Come join us for the parade. Watch out for those Hibernians. Yeah, you got to watch out for us Hibernians. <laughs> or we, we, like I say, we have good, good times. You know, we've talked, uh, John and I, we've talked on and off, and I'm going to just quickly, I know our, our time is lapidus elapsing and you know you were asking me questions about seeding what do they do in seeding and all that and i that is such a deep and and difficult discussion to have so might take it in steps and see what to do and i'll I'll take the first step is one of the new technologies uh, and it's really not new but and that's what we call no-till drill no-till work and and no-till uh came in i mean i know my dad was involved at back in the early 80s trying to promote it but it's probably it not it is it is the fastest accepted new technology in the history of agriculture hmm. and so no till drill means that they have a drill that just goes into the seed bed whatever the crop was last year and plants it in there there's hmm. no disruption of the soil there's no anything they just plant it right in the old whatever the crop was. It could be the stubble. Okay, you can actually put it into, if you got a good drill, you can put it into a hay ground. And, and, and why do they do a no-till? Um, for a lot of reasons. It's, you know, when it was first started, it was mainly to do for water and wind erosion to stop the erosion of the soil. But really, that's not a problem in the Flatted Valley, and that's what they found in the early 80s. But our, our farmers are starting to do it. And I, and I would say in this valley, talking with Andy, he thinks about 40% of our crops, they go in with no-till. And a lot of it just depends upon. One is conservation of moisture. Is every time they till the soil, if we run a disc across the soil, uh, there's kind of a, a, most of the farmers figure they lose about a half inch of moisture out of that soil. Hmm. So they can save that moisture that's within the soil. A lot of it is time and, you know, the cost of equipment. Instead of having to have a disc, cultivator, all this other question, you've got a drill. So how does this drill, what does it look like? Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, they have a like a double disc. 
uh, a sharp disc, but the key to the drill is it's very, very heavy, very heavy. And so there can be a, a really small shovel or kind of a, a double disc that goes in and just makes a slice in the soil and it lays that seed in the slice. And then it comes behind and then has to pack, kind of close that slice mm-hmm. up again. And ah. so it makes a very small slice in the soil. Right behind that drill, it drops a seed in it. Then it closes that, kind of like a zipper. Mm-hmm. Open your zipper, close yeah. your zipper. And, I'll be darn. And, um, you know, it's, it's become very, very accepted. The There's a, I, I would say this, you can know a no-till when you go out and drive around because... After the field gets planted, you can see the stubble and old crop residue sitting there. And, and a lot of the farmers don't like it because it kind of looks like a trashy field. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that nice black yeah. soil. Yeah. And, um, but it's really becoming, we're seeing more and more farmers look at it. And one, they don't have so much invested in equipment. And at the cost of diesel and a traditional seeding, they may work the ground two, three, four times, and that takes a lot of time in diesel to do it. So that's kind of one of the, in our valley, we're starting to see more more of it. And and there is another one kind of like it. They call it minimum till, where maybe they rough the soil up once or do something and then go in and seed it. But that is one of the ones we're starting to see um, of the no-tills. We've got a group, like I say, about 40% of the valley are no-tilling. How, uh, how far apart are the seeds? You know, I, we will try to plant, and oh boy, so there's, now you're, so we'll plant about, could be up to 100 pounds an acre mm-hmm. and of wheat. And in 100 pounds is about 14,000 seeds. So the seeds are right next, right? But this drill takes them down one at a time? One at a time. Plants them usually one at a time. That must be quite a piece of machinery. Yeah, so if there's an inch or two inches away, you know, that might be three or four at the very most, depends Mm -hmm. upon where it is. You know, we get more so of that when we get get into canola you know, alfalfa, we'll plant alfalfa at 8 to 10 pounds per acre. And boy, now I'm going way back in my memory, but my memory says there's like 400,000 seeds per pound of alfalfa. Hmm. So, you know, our ultimate goal when all the germination comes up, you know, particularly in canola, if we can get 8, 10, 20 seeds per square foot, that survival, unfortunately, the survival rate, mm-hmm. you know, you lose some in that germination and I, the the seeding is just so ultimately important, and I appreciate one of my uh, the farmers, Natty's chairman of our board. He says, "You got Mark, your yield is at its maximum the day you plant the seed, <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes downhill from, from there." there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is such a true statement because wow. they they will have the grade, and then you lose it to diseases, insects, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, they, but when they, you got them that close together, they can't all survive. No, no, and you number one, you don't want them to, because mm-hmm. then the competition and all that uh, canopy becomes. And they're normally planted six to seven inch rows. Some of them may go eight to nine inch rows. Mm-hmm. 
in the rows, and and that's usually what we oh, plan to bat. Yeah. So you know the part today. This is the the part that you know we think about all this. Yeah, you know, those of you that have been in agriculture years ago, and man, I can remember. You know whether you're in a ten foot drill or twenty foot drill, and man, you'd work all day, and if you got ten twenty acre planted 30 at the most you just had a really good deal and and I was talking to one of the farmers and he's like well yeah he says I can plant 35 acres an hour I'm like what yeah <laughs> 35 acres an hour yeah, that was a good day <laughs> <laughs> wow years ago yeah and I like I said okay maybe that's a little on the high side but their ability to get that seed in the ground is pretty impressive Boy. and and they have what they call air drills now where they're mm. actually run by air the seed is all transported by air and big fans and oh man high tech really <laughs> high tech it is mark is always a stimulating discussion thanks so much thank you john and that's your northwest montana agriculture report the valley's only local ag report made possible by equus and payback feed at your local chs mountain west co-op and the glacier rail park northwest montana agriculture report it's every 12:45 on friday during the kgez 2020 news midday summary now it's twice as nice 600 kgez is now on translator k243 cm calendar